Good morning. My name is Scott Evans, and I'm a chaplain in UCD, as well as being on staff here as the Young Adult Ministry Coordinator in Holy Trinity. Um, today's Palm Sunday, and it's a really special moment in the liturgical calendar, and particularly on our Lenten journey in the build-up to Easter. This picture of Jesus arriving into Jerusalem, the triumphal entry, is a stunning visual. Jesus rides into, into Jerusalem on a donkey. People lay down their cloaks. They, wear, they wave palm branches. They cry out, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. If you grew up in church, this mental picture can be kind of normalized for you, and it can be easy to miss how ridiculous it actually is. At this point in history, occupied peoples were really getting, they had gotten used to military parades and to triumphal entries. The armies would march through their streets in a display of power and might. They would hold up gold standards and emblems of their conquering empires. They would ride powerful horses and carry weapons. They would inspire confidence in those who were on their side and strike fear into the hearts of those who were not. And then this carpenter shows up, this carpenter turned rabbi. He's not riding a stallion. He's not surrounded by soldiers. He's followed by former fishermen and tax collectors. He's riding a donkey. It's like something out of Monty Python or Saturday Night Live. It's like, did you ever see those parades where when the astronauts came back from like landing on the moon and they would go down some huge busy street and there'd be people lining the sides and they're driving down on this massive convertible with, um, with streamers coming down from the sides. Well, imagine it like that. Imagine if Jesus showed up doing the same thing, but in a Fiat Punto with the roof cut off. There's something ridiculous, something absurdist about this. It's like if someone stood beside the soldiers outside Buckingham Palace with a water pistol in their hands and a badger on their head. There's just something that's supposed to provoke thought, to look ridiculous, because it's a parody of how the empire works. But when you look into the story of the nation of Israel, it's also this, a visual that is pregnant with meaning. For a really amazing exploration of this, uh, one of our um, community members, Julie McKinley, um, from the National Bible Society, did an amazing piece on it this week um, on the Revelationary blog, a, week, a weekly uh, blog on the lectionary that we run. And she, she took out some of the depth of this. She reflected on how Matthew in his gospel points out that this is also the fulfillment of an ancient promise. Tell the daughter of Zion, look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. When the people saw this, they weren't just absorbed with the ridiculousness that was happening in the presence. They were also invited back into the ancient promises of their forefathers. Your king will come, humble and riding on a donkey. But this will be a different kind of king for a different kind of kingdom. And so they cry out Hosanna, which Julie points out in the article, is actually a mix of two words. One means come to our rescue, save us, rescue us, help us. And the other one means come quickly, come urgently, we're in distress. And so those two things are smashed together in Hosanna. Come to our aid, come save us, come quickly. For those who are, were oppressed by Rome and victims of the exclusivity of the religious system that was skewed towards the elite, this was a movement that Jesus is starting or displaying or revealing that they could get behind. But to the powers of Rome and to the powers of the temple, this was a thumb in their eye. It would have made them furious. As we continue our cross-examination series today, this isn't the only, passages, the only passage that we're going to be exploring. This first reading about Palm Sunday is about how the week begins. 
The second one that's part of our cross-examination series is about how the week ends, or at least how people thought the week was going to end. And it's from Mark chapter 15, verses 37 to 39. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the Son of God. These are words that can often be spoken glibly, I think, in the global north. But as I was preparing this sermon, that particular phrase gave me pause. Jesus breathes his last. At moments like this in our history, when we face the danger of a pandemic that affects our ability to breathe, these words carry a greater weight. They have a solemn profundity. In Easter's past, we might have read those words and just kept reading, but this year they make us pause and become present to our feelings and to our fears. As Rob talked about last week, we do not have a Savior who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. Instead, we have a God who entered into our humanity, who suffered what we suffered, and knows what it is like to take a final breath, to breathe his last. And so two things happen in this second reading. From the perspectives, the perspective of the soldier, they didn't expect to be surprised. Not expect to be surprised. Nobody expects to. For them, this was crucifixion. It was life as normal. It was how the world was supposed to work. They were expecting another mundane victory, another insurgent executed, case closed, job done, bingo, bango, jobs are good. But that's not how he reacts. Watching Jesus die doesn't make him think of the absence of God, which is what this is supposed to do. The, the sign above Jesus says, this is the king of the Jews. Everything about the way in which they punish him and hurt him and crucify him and humiliate him is, about, is supposed to tell the world that the Lord has abandoned him. But when the soldier watches him die, that's not what he thinks of. For him, the way Jesus dies testifies to the presence of God to his goodness and character. Because this is what Mark says, because of how he dies, because of how Jesus offers himself up like a lamb to the slaughter. What's extraordinary about his death is not just that he allows it to happen, but that even in his death, his mind is on others. He turns to his mother in the Gospel of John at this point and to one of the disciples and says, Mother, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. Even as he is passing from this world, his thoughts are on caring for and providing for those he loves. He prays, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. His breath gives birth to words, and his final words, his final breaths, he uses them to love both family and enemy, the ones crying below him and the ones crucifying him. And it is this that makes the soldier say, surely this man was the son of God. At that same moment in the temple, Jesus' crucifixion is actually of less importance because the people and the priests, they're preparing for Passover in a space that has created and exploited barriers between God and his people. The space was laid out with boundaries. How close you could get to the presence of God depended on you being able to take the right gender, racial, and purity boxes. And only the high priest could enter into the Holy of Holies, the most sacred place in the temple of God, where the presence of God was believed to be held, and even then only once a year. And it was this place, the holiest of holies, 
that was separated from the rest of the sanctuary by the temple curtain. At the moment Jesus breathes his last, the curtain is torn from top to bottom, from heaven to earth, from God to man. By God's initiative and from his direction, everything that has separated us has been destroyed. In one moment, as he breathes his last, Jesus confounds the empire built on superiority and violence, and he confounds the temple that has lost itself in exclusivity and judgment. The empire thought that they had him locked down, and the temple thought that they had God hidden away. The empire thinks it has the final word on how life ends, and the religious elite thought they had the final word on who God loves, and they're both wrong because Jesus has the final word. He is the final word, and that word is resurrection. You see, he is the answer to a prayer, and the prayer is Hosanna. Lord, come to our aid, and come quickly. So Hosanna, Lord, rescue us, protect us, and teach us of your kingdom life and love that empire cannot defeat and temple cannot contain. Amen.